guys, uh, Lucas here. I'm going to go through my top three uh, outfielders in the system this year. Um, suffice to say, this is not a particularly deep group um, within the Mets system. Uh, we've been talking, it feels like we've been talking for years, honestly, about the lack of outfield depth, and it certainly got better this year, uh, but it's far from good. Um, and, uh, you know, you really hope to find, like, maybe bevy is is the wrong word you don't need as many as you do relievers but you hope to find a decent set of fourth outfielders fifth outfield types so you don't need to go spend six million dollars on on whoever to sit on the bench and the mets haven't done that i don't know that there are a ton of guys in the system who profile to be that but there are at least a couple names to to be excited about here and i'll, I'll just run through the top three um up front one caveat uh, uh we are i'm considering jet williams an infielder for the purposes of this exercise now if he was an outfield he, he kind of split time between second base shortstop center field i think pretty evenly between the infield and outfield he's still listed as an infielder I think his, I don't think he's a shortstop. I think he's probably a second baseman or center fielder. I'm not comfortable enough making the call for the moment. Uh, I, I'm going to consider him an infielder, so he's not in the top three of uh, for the outfielder list. If he was uh, an outfielder, he'd be number one. Big shock that I'd put him there. Um, but just putting that caveat out of the out, out there so that uh, uh, there's no confusion about why he's not included here. Um, okay, with that out of the way. Uh, uh, the, the best outfielder in the system this year for me was Drew Gilbert. And I, and I really tried to find a way to spin this such that uh, we were picking guys who had spent the entire season with the Mets because this is a minor league performance award, not a, not a prospect quality award, right? So, so it's, it's not the same thing. Um, but, but Gilbert was just too good after the trade. Uh, to not earn these honors. So just for, for reference here, for those of anyone who's not familiar, and I'd be shocked if you weren't, uh, Gilbert was taken 28th overall in 2022 out of Tennessee. Uh, the Mets obviously acquired him in the Justin Verlander trade along with Ryan Clifford. Um, and he had a lot of hype after the draft last year. Really great bad ball data. Um, was a little down this year while battling an elbow injury. Um, playing through it because he's the kind of guy that's not going to sit out with minor aches and pains or, or minor injuries when, even though he probably should. Um, but once he got healthy, and I kind of set an arbitrary deadline, so big grain of salt here. But from August till the end of the season, Gilbert hit 325, 423, 561. That's a 167 weighted runs created plus six homers in 35 games uh, and 123 at bats in Double A with good corner outfield defense. That's crazy. That that's that's crazy, you know? Like this is a dude who doesn't have a single like standout tool. He's just kind of good at everything and he absolutely murdered the ball in in the organization to the point where there's no denying him the top spot. So, um I'm pretty sure he's a global top 25 prospect at this point. He would be for me. We'll see where he comes out on consensus lists once BP and BA and Prospects Live and whoever else puts out lists. Um, I don't see any way he's not on the roster at some point in 2024. Um, 
there's a non-zero chance he makes the roster out of spring training, as we've talked about. He's going to be the type of dude that's annoying as shit to play against. Um, going to be enjoyable to watch. I mean, he'll get an, he'll annoy you too, I think, in the same way that, that Jeff McNeil does sometimes. But you're generally glad he's on your side. And I think he's going to be really, really good. There's just no denying that he's he was the best outfielder in, in the system this year. Uh, second spot, the guy I really would have loved to, to shove up at one, and maybe if he had been healthy all year, I could have justified it, but he wasn't, and, and that's Matt Rudick. So Rudick, obviously, much lower profile than Gilbert. He was picked in the 10th round in 2021. Another short guy, I mean, Gilbert is maybe generously 5'8". Uh, Rudick is 5'6"-ish. Um, taken out of San Diego State, where he always made contact, got on base, but but didn't have a ton of power. Um, this year, he took a real step forward in that ladder department, though, right? He had 271, 414, 449 uh, uh, in 61 games, uh, 266 plate appearances. That's a 143 weighted runs created plus for AA. Um, critically, nine homers in that time span, and uh, uh, my favorite trait here, more walks than strikeouts. So th- this guy is just an OBP demon. Um, the defense is nothing to write home about. The power is still probably below average, but it seemed like he had made legitimate gains here to the point where the bat now looked viable, and he hadn't significantly sacrificed his ability to make contact. Like, everything looked great here. Um, to the point where I was willing to, I, I mean, I was getting ready for this offseason to be me just yelling constantly about him being a top 10 prospect, him being underrated, and then he got hurt. There's no information about what this injury was. He missed some time, uh, did a very brief rehab uh, assignment, came back for a handful of games, and then was out till the end of the season. Just, just sort of fell off the map. I, I really hate when teams don't provide these sorts of updates uh it's very frustrating particularly because we're people who who follow this stuff closely um but it's especially frustrating because this is a dude who i i was you know growing very attached to obviously i love my on-base percentage driven profiles i remain confident that if he's healthy he's at least a platoon outfielder um and and that's better than most of the other outfield basically any of the non-elite outfield prospects in the system at this point um you know so it just comes down to if he's healthy and again if he had if he had played out the whole season and maybe had a 130 weighted runs created plus for the year i I think i might have shoved him above gilbert just for the fact that he was with the mets the whole season but uh he 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 missed basically the entire second half so really i I, i'd love to see some news about what the injury was what his rehab is how his rehab is going and and hopefully he'll bounce back and be around uh come 2024 if he's around i I fully expect him to also appear on the major league roster again this this org is very thin on upper minors uh outfield depth um i think the skill set here is actually quite good um just a matter of, of getting him back on the field, and, and hopefully he can grow on this uh, uh, breakout come next season. Um, right, so now onto third, and there are a number of names you could pick here. None of them are particularly exciting, unfortunately. Obviously, Alex Ramirez had a disastrous season. Willie Fanyas and Simon Wan didn't do much. Uh, uh, Stanley Consuegra was was fine, not really spectacular. Um, and then you're at that point you're starting to talk about like upper minor depth guys so Rowdy Jordan who I like a little 
Carlos Cortez, who I don't like at all. You could maybe put DJ Stewart in this conversation, but whatever. Uh, the guy I went with is Brandon McIlwain, because I just think he's more interesting. Uh, McIlwain was assigned uh, as a UDFA after the 2020 draft, uh, previously drafted in 2019 by the Marlins and went unsigned. Um, I mean, the, the cool thing is that he's a former quarterback, both for South Carolina and at uh, my alma mater, Cal Berkeley. Um, and this year, he he made some strides offensively in the upper minors. Uh, 105 weighted runs created plus in double A, 104 in triple A. Seemed to take a big leap forward in terms of plate discipline to triple A, though his average was disastrous, and this might just be a fluke of, you know, triple A baseball being weird this year. I, I, I don't know that he's a, a major leaguer in any real way, probably has enough skills to, to get a cup of coffee, got, has a little speed off the bench, has a little pop, um, but he's a short side platoon guy at best in, in my estimation. I don't know that there's a lot more in the tank here. Alternatively, maybe he's a guy who, who there is more to pull out as, as he spent more time solely focused on baseball. So who's to say? Uh, at present, I don't think he's really anywhere near the, the top maybe at generously be in the back of the top 25 prospects or something like that. Not, not something to write home about, but nice little season, you know, 20 steals, solidly above average offense in the upper minors, something nice. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe there's more to, to grow on here. Uh, if, if the Mets get some uh, new hitting instruction in. So yeah, not the best position group. Um, Drew Gilbert's really, really good. And I, I sure hope Matt Rudick is healthy cause I love him. And then, uh, we better hope we start pumping out outfielders like the Brewers do. Hey everyone, Steve here. So I am moving this week actually, so I wasn't able to record with the rest of the guys, but I wanted to give my two cents about the From Complex to Queens Outfielders of the Year. So here I am. Uh, all right, so my three picks for Outfielder of the Year, Outfielders of the Year. The first one, the most obvious one, is going to be Drew Gilbert. Arguably, he's the Mets' number one prospect ahead of uh, Acuna and Jet, the other two guys that are in the running for that. Um, I know the other guys discussed him, so I'm not going to rehash things too, too much. Uh, but yeah, he hit 289, 381, 487 the season as a whole, um, 271, 372, 438 with double-A Corpus Christi, and Binghamton combined, and then with just Binghamton, he hit 325, 423, 561. So, you know, he's uh, a legit five-tool, average, a better guy. So, you know, obviously there is a lot to like. All right, so my second outfielder of the year is going to be someone who had a crazy season when you look at the numbers, but completely was unheralded. And that is Rylan Thomas. Uh, he was drafted by the Mets in the 11th round of the 2022 draft from the University of Southern California, USC. He spent three years there, two full seasons in 2022 and 2021. And then he also had an abbreviated season in 2020. And in those three years, he hit a cumulative 335, 389, 423 in 117 games for the Trojans. The Mets signed him. Um, $180,000, meaning that they had to tap into their bonus pool for $30,000 since the bonus was over the um, post-10th round maximum of $150,000. Uh, 
Uh, he finished the season up last year at the FCO Mets and the St. Lucie Mets together. He hit a... What's a good way to say this? He hit a paltry 208, 333, 229. So it would be very easy to not pay any attention to him whatsoever and have no expectations for him coming into the year. I know I didn't. Um, he turned 23 also in April, right at the beginning of the season. So, you know, 23-year-old in single A, another knock against him. Um, but he started the year with St. Lucie. He played with them from the beginning of April until the end of June, which was 36 games in total. And he hit an impressive 303, 370, 434 with nine doubles, a triple, a homer, two stolen bases, and 14 walks to 13 strikeouts, which is a weighted runs created a plus of 119. Then he was promoted from... Um, St. Lucie to High A Brooklyn, and he got into 39 games with them from late June until late August. And with the Cyclones, he hit a robust 341, 432, 429 with five doubles, two homers, three stolen bases, and 19 walks to 10 strikeouts, which is a 143 WRC+. Then he got promoted to Binghamton, and he finished the season with the Rumble Ponies. And he hit 353, 431, 392 in 16 games with them. Uh, two doubles, two stolen bases, and seven walks to five strikeouts, which was a 136 weighted RC+. So, all in all, Ryland Thomas hit 328, 407, 425 in 91 games with all three teams, with 16 doubles, two triples, three home runs, Seven stolen bases in 18 attempts and 40 walks to 28 strikeouts. And he led the entire minor league system in batting average. So two things should jump out at you. One, damn, he has some good bat-to-ball skills. Uh, his average, as mentioned, it led the, led the um, Mets system. He struck out 28 times in 91 games and he walked 40 times as well. The second thing that should jump out at you is, damn, he had a 425 slugging percentage. <laughs> that is just 21 extra base hits um, all year, 98 total hits, just three home runs. You know, that's not going to play in the outfield, unfortunately. Uh, all in all, Thomas is in his early 20s now. He's not going to magically grow uh, you know, he is six foot even, 170 pounds. Maybe he puts a little bit more muscle on, but not much. Um, so, you know, maybe he adds a tiny bit more raw power. Maybe he starts spraying more doubles around. But, you know, all in all, it's a it's an atypical profile in today's day and age. He gives me major Dave Magadan vibes. He's a great contact hitter. He draws a decent amount of walks and barely strikes out. But the lack of power basically makes Thomas non-viable without, like, plus speed or plus, you know, center field defense or something like that. And unfortunately, Ryland Thomas does not have any of those things. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. You know, I'm presuming that he's going to start the season next year with the Rumble Ponies since he only played 16 games. But he did hit well with them, so it'll be interesting to see if he can hit very well, um... 
in double A next season over a longer sample. And my last outfielder now is another deep dive, Jeffrey Rosa, who is the Mets DSL Complex Player of the Year. Uh, Rosa was signed by the Mets January 15th last year, 2022. He signed for $150,000. He had a very eh professional debut last year in the DSL. Uh, he got into 34 games with the DSL Mets 2 last year. And he hit 217, 315, 371 with six doubles, three homers, three stolen bases, and four attempts, and seven walks to 48 strikeouts. So, not great. He stayed in the DSL uh, for this season and major turnaround. He played 44 games at the DSL Mets Orange, and he hit 277, 400, 669 on the year with 13 doubles, 15 home runs. One stolen base in two attempts, and he drew 16 walks to 46 strikeouts. You know, not many. Um, I probably should have this open in front of me, but in terms of weighted runs created plus, all that added up to a 166, which, you know, not bad. Um, He... Had 15 home runs. That was the most in the, into, in, in the entire Dominican Summer League. And he was one of just 10 teenagers in all of minor league baseball last season that had 15 or more home runs. Uh, Rosa had some of the highest exit velos of all the 2023 DSL Mets players. There were multiple 100-plus mile-per-hour readings. There were actually a handful of exit velos over 110 as well, which is really good. And, yeah, he did strike out at a rate higher than you would like to see, especially for, you know, a player who is repeating the level. He struck out at a 25.3% rate, which is not terrible, but it's really not great either. But um, you have to, you know, look at his numbers last year, and those are an improvement. You know, there, there were significant gains in, in his strikeout and walk rates between 2022 and 2023. And this season, he hit overall better, and obviously for a ton more power. So, you know, he was hitting for power, and he wasn't uh, sacrificing, you know, anything and just swinging and missing constantly. Rosa plays all three outfield positions. A majority of his innings came in right field. You know, he's young. The amount of time that I've watched him playing the outfield um, is actually zero (laughs) since the DSL video feeds only show the infield. So... You know, uh, there's not really too much we could say about him. Um, one thing I can say is he's he's been exceptionally shorthanded as a fielder in his young career. Uh, he just has one error in 484 innings, totally uh, to- to- played totally uh, in 2022 and 2023, the last two seasons. Uh, he's 6'1", 190 pounds. He's proportionate in pictures, so, you know, we could extrapolate from that a little bit, at least for the, right now. Um, you know, he's athletic enough to handle the outfield. He's a decent enough arm, so he's played because he's played mostly right. So he should be able to stay there for the long term future. Um, is is he a Vicente Lupo where he's great in the DSL and he comes to the US and then he just craters? Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, same thing like Rylan Thomas and his viability in the future. Not going to take anything away from Jeffrey Rosa. He had a terrific season this year, and um, that's why he, he is one of my three outfielders 
of the year. All right, so uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the show this week. And if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SadMetSeasonSZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you got your podcast from. Rate and review. And of course, we thank you for listening. And as a reminder, we are a Patreon-based um, podcast. So if you like our podcast or if you like any of the other ones that are in the Home Run Apple Network, you can subscribe for just $5 a month. And we'll be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>